In the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, may God's peace and blessings be upon his holy prophet Muhammad and the purified members of his household and progeny. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. So, alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah. So today, inshallah, we're going to continue where we left off last time. Um, we talked until now about the importance of looking into religion and how the need for religion is instinctive in human beings and we gave the criteria for what is instinctive. And we also explained the different ways through which human beings can acquire different types of knowledge. So we talked about scientific knowledge, devotional knowledge, mystical knowledge, and reason, and the place, alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah. Alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah. And we talked about the place of reason within our religious system. And this big question that we hear, this objection that we hear against the uh, incompatibility between reason and faith. And I think we solved that for the case of Islam very specifically, where we said that in our religion, not only is it, not only can we say that faith and reason are compatible, but in fact, in our religion, faith without reason is unacceptable. So it's it's necessary to have faith. It's not only that you can have it, and if you have it, it's okay. It's that if you do not have reason with your faith, you have an incomplete faith. In our religion, it's a faith that is considered unacceptable. And we talked at length about why that is and what that means. Today we want to start a new topic. I think we covered enough of the introductions that we can get into the real first big topic in the field of beliefs, or sometimes referred to as theology, aqaid, beliefs, the question of the existence of God, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So before we go into the proofs, the arguments for the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let's start with an objection that we hear often. When it comes to the existence of God, a lot of people say, just like it is said about religion in general, specifically for the existence of God, they say it's a waste of time to spend energy and time on the topic of the existence of God specifically, about religion in general, but specifically about the existence of God. In the best case scenario, you may spend a lot of time with a very low probability that you will ever reach a truth. So even if you reach a truth, you will never really know if that is a truth or not. Because there's no way to really know if this is actually a valid piece of information. Alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah. Or it's just something that's going to be based on faith. And if it's based on faith, it doesn't really have any solid foundation. So, even if you end up believing in a God, that belief is going to be shaky. 
And there's also a possibility that you end up never reaching any truth. There is too much information out there. There There are too many claims. There are too many religions. There are too many people who say, I have the truth, that it's not even worth spending any time trying to reach any conclusion about whether God exists and anything else about religion. So, today we wanted to spend just a little bit of time on this question specifically. This idea that it's not worth spending too much time looking into the topic of whether God exists or not, and religion in general. But let's start with the most important one, most important topic, most important question, which is, does God exist or not? The existence of God. So before we open the topic, just between two brackets very quickly, why is this the most important question? Depending on my answer to the question, does God exist, everything changes. The moment I say God exists, that leads me into a path. The moment I say God does not exist, or I don't know if God exists, that leads me into a different path. Basically, that forms the foundation through which I see the world. If I say there is a God, then I'm going to say, what are His attributes? What does He want from me? How am I supposed to live? What happens after death? And so on and so forth. That's the first question. And if you cannot answer that question, you don't have clarity about that question, then you might go in a completely different path. To you, it's regardless whether God exists or not, it's not really going to make any difference. You're going to live the same life, whether He exists or not, or you say He doesn't exist. That's it. You've gone in a completely different path. So your life is not going to be the same. You're not going to experience the world in the same way or interpret what goes on in the world in the same way. That is the first fork in in the road. You either go in the direction where there is God, or you go the direction... There isn't God or we don't know. Okay? So that's the importance of that question. Your entire belief system starts from this question. So we're going to spend a couple of weeks on this question specifically until we sort it out clearly for all of us. Alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah. So now let's look at this question of whether it's a complete waste of time or not to spend time on a topic that may or may not lead us to actually believing in God. So human beings in general, do they spend time only on topics where they know 100% that they're going to reach a certain valid ultimate truth? Or do they spend time on other things too? If we look at human beings today and throughout history, today for instance, you see that, call it out of curiosity, for scientific research, call it whatever you want. How many billions of dollars are invested studying possibilities of finding a cure for a disease, for instance, when they're not sure if they're going to find it or not? You get a grant, you go and you apply as a doctor, as a hospital, as a university, you apply for money. And you may get hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars to do that research. You may go and ask money from the government to go explore the depths of the ocean. You're not sure. You think maybe there's a possibility that you may find something there 
and you may find nothing. There are people who take money from investors or from their own pockets and who go look for treasures in the bottom of the ocean. They're not sure if there is anything or not. They just go and look, and they may waste five years of their lives and $200 million on this. There are people who use billions of dollars to go looking for maybe life or other things in outer space. Why? Why do people, why does NASA spend the amount it spends to go to the moon or to go to Mars? There's a part of this which is simply human curiosity. Human beings want to know. And the more they think that that knowledge is important, the more they think it's worthwhile to spend that time and spend that energy and spend that money to try to maybe find something, and maybe not. And even if nothing is found, those who do that research will say it was still worthwhile. Because at least now I know that in this spot in the ocean, there's nothing. I went and I spent $200 million dollars and I dug around, and I explored, and now I know for sure there's nothing there. That in itself is a, is a worthwhile endeavor. That's a good project. It was successful. So to say that if I don't know whether I'm going to reach a conclusion, a very concrete, specific conclusion or not, right from the beginning means it's a waste of time, I shouldn't even bother with this. It's not really valid logic, one. And two, this is not the way human beings live in general. If something is considered to be worthwhile, the more important it is, the more ramifications, consequences, repercussions it has on my life, the more worthwhile it becomes, the more important it becomes. It's not about 100% am I going to find an answer or not. Even the probability of an answer becomes very important. The fact that I may find an answer is important enough that it makes the whole work, the whole project, the whole research valid. No one will tell me you're out of your mind. And governments are going to invest millions of dollars and spend years and create university programs for people to become experts just in this field so that they can explore it and study it more. Okay. So does it mean necessarily that because the field has a lot of information, there are too many claims, there are too many schools of thought, too many religions, it would take me too long to study, does it mean that this is a valid excuse to say, therefore I'm not going to study it? Is this how normally human beings, when they consider something serious and important, is this how human beings deal with things that are serious if they say there's just too much information? I don't know what to do about it. It's just it's going to give me a headache. Who has time for this? Is this how we deal with things that are really important? The reality today is no. They put teams of researchers together from all sorts of disciplines and they make sure that they're all as competent as possible, as qualified as possible. And they give them all the tools and all the equipment and all the funding that they need so that they hopefully will reach a conclusion. And the conclusion could be, we need more money and we need more time and we didn't find anything. Sorry. We say, okay, 
No problem. Keep work, working. Why? Because it's considered important enough. The excuse that there's just too much out there that I'm going to give up and not waste any time on it is also unacceptable by human normal human standards. And until now, we're only talking about very typical, normal life situations. We're not talking about things like what happens for all of eternity after death. We're talking about things that we encounter in our lives, like disease, like exploring the oceans or space. That's one thing. The second thing, is it true that there's absolutely no way to know the truth? Well, it depends. And that's why we talked so much in the previous weeks about what we refer to in scientific terms as the methodology. What's the tool that you want to use to try to find the truth? If you use the wrong tool, of course you're not going to find the truth. You don't have the tool. If you don't have the right glasses that allow you to see the thing, you're not going to see the thing. If you're trying to see something 3D and you're not wearing 3D glasses, you're not going to see it. What's the tool that you're using to try to find the answer to these questions? There are people who went into a lab and who did all sorts of research to see what happens to a human being when he dies. Is there something that leaves the body? They put the people in, people who are dying in these tubes, in these capsules, completely sealed to see if anything happens or not. Okay, but that assumes already, presupposes that there's something physical or material that can be measured by scientific instruments that is getting in and out of the body at the moment of death. Maybe the tool you're using is not the right tool. Who says it's something physical? The tools you have only measure physical movement. You can maybe measure electromagnetism. You can maybe measure some sort of energy field that is related to one of the energies we're aware of. But all of this comes back to physical realities, material realities. What if what you're looking for cannot be measured by your instruments? There's an issue. That's why we spent so much time saying when we try to find the truth, what's the proper methodology? Well, it depends what's the truth. So if I'm, the truth I'm looking for falls into the natural world, I have to use the tools that allow me to look for and manipulate and explore and study the natural world. And usually that's referred to as science or natural science. But if I'm trying to look at things that fall outside of that realm, that dimension, that reality of the natural science, I need other tools for that. And that's why we spend so much time saying the importance of reason. What's the role of reason? If you're trying to find these truths about whether God exists or not, only by looking at through the instruments of natural science, yeah, you're probably not going to be able to find it. And you're going to end up saying it was a waste of time. I looked and studied and researched and I couldn't find You use the wrong tool. You'll never in a hundred or a million years find it. You're not using the right tool. That's why we said, if you want to start understanding how reason works, you have to understand how is it being used as a term in this kind of research. There's one way where we say reason is supposed to be that which allows you to discern, to differentiate, to distinguish between right and wrong. That which 
allows you to see if there are contradictions in the logic that is being presented to you. Whether the logic that is being presented is correct, is it valid or not. If you use that kind of tool, then you have a much bigger chance of reaching a conclusion that finally allows you to say, yes, I found an answer, or no, I didn't find an answer. When it comes to questions like, does God exist or not? So, saying at the end, there's just too much information, that's unacceptable. No human being in their right mind, when there is serious work, when there is serious study, when there is a serious topic, would accept the idea of saying, it's too much, I let it go. No, that just means that you're being lazy. You've decided that this field you're too lazy about and maybe someone else wants to research it. To me, it's not interesting. Okay, that may work in certain fields. But if you really understand what it means when we're saying, the moment you decide whether God exists or not, means your life completely changes, the way you see the world completely changes, and it could potentially have an impact on your eternity, on your afterlife, We don't know yet. We haven't done the research. We're saying there is such a claim. It may be worth looking into. Then suddenly it changes the equation. It's no longer about, I'm not sure to what extent you can afford to just be lazy about it and say, there's too much information. Who knows if I'm going to find the answer or not. Let's just put this one aside and keep living our lives normally. Okay? So that's the second point. The third point has to do with probability itself. When we look at probability, we cannot, in these situations, we cannot look only at what is the probability, what is the chance that I'm going to find the answer I'm looking for. That's not the only way to look at it. So let's take an example. Let's take a couple of examples. What if you're told right now, you're sitting in a plane... The plane is ready to go, and suddenly the pilot comes on and he tells you, we're not sure what the problem is, but there may be a little problem with the plane that means that it's going to blow up as soon as we fly. Let's vote who wants to not fly, just stay still put, not move. And who votes that we can take the risk and fly? We know that the risk is less than 2%. There's less than 2% chance that there's something that will mean the plane will blow up once it flies. Only 2%. 98% chance nothing is going to happen. But there's 2% chance something is going to happen. Who amongst you says we should not fly? Let's stay there even if it makes 20 more hours, 50 more hours, for however long it takes, we have to stay put and not fly. No, no. See, the, what we're trying to do is to see that it's not only the 2% that counts. It's 2%, but the cost is what? The cost is your life. So you have, (laughs) you could survive. Yes, of course. That's why we're saying it's a probability. 
you, we're going to combine two things now. So that's one. There's On one side, there's a risk. And until now, because we don't know what the answer is. So this is someone who has not done the research yet. We're talking to someone who does not know. Okay, we're about to start doing the research. Someone tells you there's a 1% chance, 2% chance, 5% chance that this bad thing could happen. Okay, but the bad thing is what? The cost is what? So maybe the cost is money. Maybe the cost is time. But maybe the cost is your life. Okay, so the cost is also a factor. It's not only the percentage. We don't only look at, is it a 2% or a 5%? 2%, but what's the cost? In this case, the cost is your life. Okay, let's take another example. You're told that you can travel from point A to point B, from here to Toronto. You could take a short path. Let's say it's a shortcut that you can get there in three hours. And that's it, it's three hours. There's another way that takes about 30 hours to get there. Okay? But there's a probability of 10% on the way that someone gives you a million dollars. There's someone there who just keeps giving one million dollars. So is the rumor on that 30-hour way. Is it worth going there or not? (laughs) Okay, yes? Depends what you're doing in Toronto. <laughs> Depends on the urgency, right? Yeah. Any person... I mean, like, do you have to go walking? <laughs> Let's say you have to go walking. <laughs> I, see, like, I think... It all depends on, the, like, on your perception of the price that you're going to take. Yeah. So again, the point is not whether you would do it or not for the million like you personally. The point is to make you realize that we're not looking only at the percentage. When I tell you it's only 5% or it's only 10%, Okay, but it's 10%, but what do I get? It's multiplied by something else. Okay? So to take another example, to make it a bit more complicated mathematically, it's like when someone tells you there are two business deals. So in one business deal, you invest a certain amount, but the probability that you get something is very high. That amount is small. So you only have to invest $100. But the probability that you get a reward is let's say 50%. And there's another case where you have to invest $1,000, 10 times more. The probability that you get something is let's say 20%. In mathematical terms, which one is the highest the better deal. There was no 500. Was there a 500? <laughs> okay, we're looking at two factors. You cannot only look at the percentage. You have to look at the total profit that you get or the total loss that you get. Okay? So, if we take that example back to the case of trying to look into things like religion trying to look into things like the existence of God. Even if the probability of finding an answer is low, the cost at which it comes is incredibly high. The profit that you can get 
even if it's a low probability, is extremely high. In fact, if you measure it in time, and you say that I actually gain eternity, or I lose eternity, then that infinity sign becomes your answer. And logically, you cannot wager that. That's the one thing that you cannot bet on and be willing to risk. The risk mathematically becomes too high because it becomes infinite. And that was in philosophy, for those of you who are interested in, who study, there's something called Pascal's wager. Pascal's wager was basically that. He said, if someone were to tell me that I have to sacrifice a little bit in this world, so there's a sacrifice, there's a cost, but the cost is small. In return for all of eternity, it's still worth it. Because the loss on the other side is I lost nothing. Maybe I lost a little bit of freedom in this world and that's it. The probability. He's working only with probability. He's not saying I know. He's saying if I don't know what the truth is, it's still more profitable for me to wager on the side of getting infinite pleasure, infinite uh, happiness, infinite fortune, whatever you want to call it. It's still worth it for me to do that because the alternative is the other option. If I don't do that, the other option is eternal damnation, eternal hell, eternal punishment if the claim is true. And that's why I say you have to combine the two. You can't look only at there is neutral, there is nothing or happiness. Okay, maybe you can choose neutral. I want nothing. It's in, I'm indifferent. But that's actually not an option. The options that we have, if the claims of religion are true, the options that we have is eternal happiness or eternal unhappiness. It's not unhappiness or neutral or happiness and neutral. There is no neutral. There's only Jannah Nar. So which one are you betting on? So this is where the probability scenario, the probability argument when someone says, what's the probability that I find an answer? What are the chances that I actually find the truth? Well, first of all, if you actually apply your reason properly and you're not too lazy about this, and you actually do a little bit of work, it's probably not going to take you 30 years of work, as you claim, one. And two, even if that probability is low, you cannot really afford to let that one go. Because the cost at which it comes is too high. And the alternative is too risky. If the alternative is truly hell, you cannot afford not to look into it. If the alternative is truly hell, you cannot wager that it's probably not there. We'll see. The risk is too high. So if you want to use pure logic, just logic and probability, the argument that there's just too much information out there doesn't work. It doesn't also work because human beings don't live that way and don't consider things that they consider important in this manner. And when we use the logic of probability, we know that this is not something logically worth risking. Your eternal life 
is not worth risking in this matter. Of course, you can always take the risk, but you cannot really, based on just logic and probability theory or math, it's not worth it. One last comment and then I'll stop. I'm trying to stick to the time a little bit more. We're at 29 minutes and 50 seconds. It's getting good. The last thing I wanted to say is for those of you who are interested in this argument, if you want to look at it a little bit more in philosophy called Pascal's Wager, I would also invite you to look it up in the words of Imam al-Sadiq salam, which were quite a few centuries before Pascal. And he was explaining it in the same manner to those in his time who told him that they do, do not want to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The atheists, the atheistic thought was becoming a lot more predominant in the time of Imam al-Sadiq. It was really coming into the Islamic world very heavily. And there are, there are many narrations of Imam al-Sadiq that talk directly or indirectly about this. And there's very famous hadith with a with an Indian physician, with an Indian doctor who had come to the imam and he was an atheist. And there was a back and forth between them. And at the end the imam tells him, if you are right and there is no God and I am wrong, then I've lost nothing and you've gained nothing. And if I am right and there is a God and you are wrong, then I gained everything and you <laughs> have lost everything. So the loss on my side is nothing. What's the loss? That I change a little bit the way I live. Okay. Maybe I have to sacrifice a little bit of freedom in this world. It's worth it. If it means eternal life. Eternal happiness. So really, when you read that one, and then you see how Pascal explained it, you see that it's kind of a very similar, very, very similar argument. Except that Imam al-Sadiq said it many, many centuries before. Anyways, that's all for uh, part one of the lecture. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin. وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين الله.